I feel like you've slowed down on the kombucha. You used to be like three or four kombuchas a day. I never did that many, but no, I am. I'm a one. You were plowing through them. Maybe, maybe. You're basically drunk at kombucha at like (laughs) 0.5%. Hello, and welcome to episode 169 of Sprint, a UX podcast your source for weekly UX, product, and tech news. I am Michael Dusing, and I am here with Mr. Weaver. Jesse Weaver. And and also Alex Hoffman. What's up, Paul? What up, what up, what up? What's up, guys? How you guys doing? Hot. It is June, and it is toasty. Totally. We didn't really get a spring. It was just like rain and top. Yep. I think it hit 100 today. I think so. Yeah. My kids called me and told me it was 109 in the car. Oh, jeez. In the car? Locked in the car. <laughs> in the car. <laughs> yes, totally. We make them live in the car. <laughs> you lock them in they're the like, car. They're Dad, like, Dad, it's 109 in our house here. And it's got a little sign. It's like, don't worry. They're listening to their favorite song. <laughs> <laughs> They were driving around. They were not trapped in the car. Are your kids old enough to drive? Depends on what state you're in. <laughs> Kidding. No, they're not. <laughs> I okay, do I do, look, my wife was driving them around. Hilarious. <laughs> Everyone was you safe. Sound, you it was like just the hot out. Responsible parent. It was just hot out. That was the point. Okay. <laughs> I love it. What else is new with you, Jesse? New with me, um, I moved into what one of my friends referred to as the dad gene decade. I turned dad 40. Gene. I turned 40 just what, what? a few days ago. What? Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Exciting I, things. You know what's crazy about it? On my 40th birthday, I don't know if you guys follow anything astrological, but there was a crazy lunar eclipse and a new moon. Apparently, same day. It's like crazy uh, astrological juju. That on is my 40, uh, on my fortieth birthday. Did anything crazy happen? Not yet. Not yet. But according according to sources, is setting it that day set up a lot of things for potentially decades to come for many people in their in their astrological world. So this is the dawn of the Jesse era world domination. New day. (laughs) Totally. You're going to start a new country. Call it Sprintopia. It's like that guy. You ever see that guy who owned that uh, defunct oil rig? And he basically established it as as its own country. It's like one guy. It's awesome. That's what I'm doing. Totally. Sweet. Yep, nothing terribly new on my front. Just it's hot. Super hot. I get more looks on the bike when it's hot. People look at me like, how in the world are you riding a bike right now? (laughs) Um, But my bike is moving, flying by them while they're sitting in their car with their windows down, roasting. Totally. Listening to their favorite song. Almost (laughs) like the climate (laughs) is changing. Right? That happens. At least that's what I'm told. Anyways, uh, yeah. So, what are we talking about today, boys? We're talking about some some modals. 
everyone's favorite UI element, modals, pop-ups, dialogues, windows, non-modals, full screen stuff, scrims, posters. I like toast. There's so many that makes me hungry. Is toast only a an Android thing? I think that term came from Android. But toast then it was snack material. bar. Don't forget about the snack bar. Snack bar. But then it was adopted like in the web. Yes. Yeah. Pops what? up like toast. <laughs> Isn't that the reason why it's called toast? It pops up from the bottom Probably. like toast. I would assume Probably. so. It looks like a yeah. some toast. They because they had the whole uh OS food naming thing, Oreo and Kit Kat and all that fun stuff. I don't know what they're on currently. Oh, right. That was their whole thing. Didn't they have like marshmallow? Yep. Or something. To modals. To modals. So I have a um, question. I have an immediate question out of the gate here. Cool. Is a card. So like, if you think about like interfaces, like, um, uh, what's the dating app? My like mind went blank. And as a 40 year old married man, they don't use dating apps. So tender, tender, you know, like the cards, the card stack, like the swiping is a stack of cards in the world of modals or is that not? It's not, I don't think it's a modal until you tap on it and it goes shoop. It's got to like come in over top of something else. Yeah. That, that feels like the full screen modal when you like you tap on it and it takes up. Not that I've ever used tender. Um, like when you're talking about um, like material design and layers, is that what you're talking about? Yeah, I think right. so. Like, I don't know. There's just so many elements, you know, as I was looking across the, the world of modals, like there's so many elements that are just very similar. I'm just curious, yes. like where the line gets drawn. I Maybe I jumped too far ahead in the conversation. Drawn, but... So there's this whole idea of dialogues, which is what was, I'm sure the term existed before Google material. Um, but, um, dialogue, the whole point of a dialogue was that, well, let me, let me read the definition as opposed to, uh, Nielsen Norman group, our academic friends. Um, they refer to a dialogue as, um, refers to a conversation between two people and interfaces. A dialogue is a conversation between the system and the user and often requests information or an action from the user. So it used to be, you know, like when you're closing something, do you want to save yes or no? Yeah. Um, that's like the most simplest dialogue um, that I can think of. Well, um, and I can say to your point about th that being around before material design, as a 40-year-old man, I can tell you that there were dialogues as far back as Windows 95, if not or, uh, later or earlier than that. I mean, there were dialogues on the Apple IIe back in the day. Mm -hmm. um, so they're drawing the line at a mo modal as in the understanding of the mode of a dialogue. So like a modal dialogue is a dialogue that appears on top of the main content and moves the system into a special mode requiring user interaction. This dialogue disables the main content until the user explicitly interacts with the modal dialogue, which alert dialogues kind of do that as well. <laughs> Um, you can't really interact with the background until you like, there's an error. This didn't get processed. Try again or close or, you know, something popped up like there. So I think there's levels of this, but there's like super simple 
um, information dialogues, like alert dialogues that pop up and just tell you something happened. And then there's like, yes, no, very quick interaction dialogues. And then there's, in my mind, more a modal dialogue where you have to potentially do more. Um, I still think it's like a concentrated task, but that task could be entering in a first name, last name, and an email address. Um, it could just be like, a confirmation, just being like, you're about to go to a different site. Okay. Yeah. Is that still like an alert at that point? Like at what point does well, it become a modal? Well, I wonder. Alerts are modals. Sorry, go ahead. No, that's what I was going to say. I mean, I feel like the intent and content of the modal is it's a modal no matter what, right? Because that's what you're saying, right, Alex? Like an alert is just a modal that is just happens to have an intent of alerting you to some. Yep. Right. A modal, a modal in and of itself is just something that you have to interact with in order to kind of move forward, right? Um, yeah. I think, like I think as, people, in, as in it disables everything behind it. Right. But we were talking about how, like, uh, for instance, uh, a toast or like in the, the Gmail yep. or like you, it pops up, like you can still interact with the background. However, you're still kind of forced to, you know, make a decision on that thing. And that decision can just be go away. Um, True. So there's non-modal dialogues, which are things like an example of that is compose in Gmail. It is anchored to the side of the screen. It still is in view, but it doesn't disable the rest of the screen. You can still navigate around in normal email flow while your window is open, either anchored to the side or you can, um, you can, uh, what do you call it? Detach um, and move that around. Um, so like non-modal dialogues are any dialogue that is over top of content that you can still interact with. Right. You know, um, go ahead, Alex, what are you going to say? I was just going to say one thing that I think some people get confused with is a modal is something that where you can still see the interface behind it. And that's not true, right? A modal is going to take up full screen like iOS has full screen modals all the time. Yeah, I think there's a line between native apps and web SaaS apps um, because on the web, yes, you can still have a full screen modal, but it, it comes across more as like a full page experience where like, yeah, in, um, in mobile or in mobile like development, you have modals that pop up and are clear that they're like a card or a piece of content over top of where you were. And then when they close, they return you to that. Um, so there's an evolution here where you go from a modal that you have to interact with and do things in to then either returning to that experience or like a full screen modal or a full page app flow workflow where you maybe are taken to a different place once you're done with that task. So like, right. real quick though, and this is just like my own curiosity, because I'm not sure if I would say it is or isn't, but you know, the shopping cart, like the off canvas, like Amazon slides in from the, 
Mm -hmm. you know, yep. from the right to the left. Is that a modal? That I is a non-modal. Yeah, technically, according to Nielsen, that is a non-modal um, because it's like a sidebar or a sheet, um, and it doesn't disable the rest of the screen. But to your point, Alex, like the full screen, like what I have always called a shelf, probably inaccurately on iOS that comes up, like that would be a modal, right? Because, well, it's interesting because, I mean, the thing that's blowing my mind right now is that like a modal is called a modal because it literally changes the mode of the screen. Yes. It's like, what? Like I always said, like, that's like, I feel like I've unlocked like senior designer level all of a sudden. I'm this, like, what? This from the that's... teacher of design and UX. Did you know that before reading that just now? No, no. These are, I feel like, so full disclosure here, this topic came up because I was having a discussion with one of my clients and I was like, you know, like I know these things, like I know what's right to use here because I've, I've done so many flows and right. things that like everything inside my being says, this is the right way to use this element. But like, I don't, I can't academically explain it well enough to get it across to my client. So I started looking this stuff up and I was like, Oh yeah, this makes sense. Like, like there's actual like academic descriptions of these and what they mean. Yeah, um, no, it makes, it's crazy. I like my mind is blown, but um yes. Yeah. And like, yeah, it makes total sense. Like thinking about the Gmail example, right. And that like not changing the mode of the screen. Oh, what I was going to say. So those shells that come in all the way. Yes. In like a mobile app that it's weird because that's almost more to me like navigation. Or am I wrong there? Like, because uh, it, I think it depends is it on just what a, you're using, but yeah, like technically in one of these articles, we have a couple of different articles we'll link up to. And one of these articles, an example of a modal experience is literally um, the navigation drawer is what they right. call it, um, which is an Android term, like a drawer that pops out. Um, sheet, drawer, snack bar, shelf, all those are similar things that they like come in and cover up current content. What about a, a mega menu? Oh, man. I I don't know if I consider that a modal, although it follows a lot of the same patterns. I think that's uh, wouldn't that be non-modal? Right? I think that'd be non-modal. Yeah, wouldn't it be non-modal? Yeah, I mean, according to the definition, as because long as it, it doesn't, doesn't lock out the mo the your ability yeah. to interact with the rest of the page. Man, when you say mega menu, it's like pure enterprise healthcare. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> like, I think you or like mega e-commerce. Yeah, it's more like yeah. e-commerce yep. where they like yep. they're trying to show you categories with long lists. Not to muddy the waters here, any, but there's two <laughs> other terms. While we're throwing out all these terms, I'll just throw out a couple more. Um, Tooltips are a non-modal. Um, yeah. And um, scrim is the academic term for when you um, have like a light box. Basically, your modal is on top of something, and you're darkening everything behind it. Is the scrim layer? Speaking of Scrim, do you know where that, that term comes from? No. Is it it's, is it from something physical? It's from the theater. The theater. Oh, it's yeah. A, woven a Scrim in front of a light? It's like, you know, like the silhouette, like dancing uh, kind of thing. Like that could be yep. considered a Scrim. Like there's lots of different types of, it's defined as a, 
a woven material, either finely woven, lightweight fabric, widely used in theater. That is awesome. Did you so, just rattle off that definition off the top of your head or did you look it up? No, I knew that off the top of my head. Of course, of course <laughs> it looked like so. you just uh, had it, like right there ready. Well, I hate so, it when people say overlay because there's competing definitions there. I always said overlay. Now I feel, I'm like so... Overlay well, like, is technically a thing. And yes, so, okay, larger point here is that these are all pieces that are used in different ways. Um, there are no hard and fast rules for these things. Um, and to our point, we all have slightly different terms for these <laughs> and consider them different things. And where we draw the line is very fuzzy. Um, so like overlay is a more general overarching term for all of these things. Technically, all of these things are a type of overlay. Um, alerts and dialogues and modals and non-modals and all that. Um, drawers and things, they all go over something that is currently there. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, in the material world where you're just stacking up post-its. Um, yeah, so the point is this, is, this is a hard thing to determine and you really have to look hard at the context that you're in. Um, some of the rules that Nielsen Norman throws out there, and they actually frame these up as disadvantages of using modals, is the fact that um, they do require immediate attention in order to move on or do anything. Um, they interrupt what the user was doing, potentially. Um, they can cause users to forget what they were doing if you're throwing something up in your face and they're like, what is this? You're switching the mode or the context of their thought. Um, they can cause users to create and address an extra goal and potentially dismiss the dialogue with actually not even reading it and kind of just getting rid of it and getting it out of their way so they can do other stuff. Um, the biggest example I have there is in like non-modals when you're like, um, I, I mean, you guys have probably been onboarded at multiple jobs. Like every time you start a new Google account, um, it wants to take you through the tips and the walkthrough and stuff. And you're mm -hmm. like, just get out of my way. I know how to use Gmail. <laughs> like, oh, Adobe's gotten super bad with that. Like you can't even like, I don't know, every time I open up Illustrator, it's like, hey, did you know? I just want to draw a little deck. Get away. <laughs> yeah, totally. Like, so they get in the way of what you could be trying to do. Um, and they block the content in the background. So um, one of the cases we were talking about earlier is a use of non-modals where you're not disabling things like in Gmail or in other apps where you need the context of what you're, um, what you're interacting with. So like in a Google Doc, for example, when you're adding a comment, it is a non-modal experience. You can see the content that you're referencing and actually say, you know, you can highlight a piece of it and say, I want to comment on this piece. Um, so it's it's useful to have the context behind it. Um, yeah, I, th I think modals have been used as a crutch too many times. And like, I, don't, I haven't used Asana in a long time, but I remember back when I did use it, there was often times where they would you'd be stacking modals on top of each other. <laughs> you get multiple so, strings. Like that's when I feel like you get you enter those situations. You're like, okay, you know, let's take a step back and like actually look at what's going on. Mm -hmm. 
So in complex experiences, especially in enterprise, um, when I'm displaying a workflow where someone may need definitions or context from other parts of the app, um, those are the cases where I really advocate for a full screen modal or a different page experience. To me, there's really no difference between a full screen modal and a page. Um, anytime that you do like a multi-step workflow or a tabbed workflow or anything like that, you could do that inside of a modal, but when you do that, there's not like a distinctive like X or close or dismiss. It's more of a cancel and then a confirmation. So in that context, Alex, instead of throwing up another modal over top or a dialogue over top of my modal, um, I'm swapping it out um, for a dialogue that says, if you leave right now, everything that you created is going to be gone. Um, like those wizard steps for creating accounts or various other things um, that get put in modals or um, like a tabbed experience where there's like different, like a options or a settings menu within a SaaS app could have tabs where you can do multiple things and save each tab or save everything you've done. But is that a modal? I mean, it, technically it's a modal because it's appearing over top of the content that's underneath. So I'm thinking of like, when you have a CMS, um, you have a web page with a bunch of content, you go to settings for that page that may have multiple sections within settings. You can do multiple things within there. You either cancel or save and it's appearing over top of the page. So, and that reason, the reason to keep the page in the background on those is to have context of what settings you're editing. Got it. But at some point, like um, when I'm creating a new page, for example, in a CMS, when I'm creating a new page, I don't need the context of the previous page I was on or the previous list of pages. I'm just creating a new page. So that could be a full screen modal or a full page app workflow. Could be. Do you guys think that sometimes like let's say that let's use that example. Okay, we're in Squarespace and we're we're making a new page yep. or post. I think they do actually pop a modal. They do, and yeah. Do you think that sometimes designers use modals in situations where there could be a page, but it like there's not really like a lot of juicy content. Maybe it's like a short form you need to fill out and using a whole page seems almost cumbersome. And there's like some sort of efficiency, like value, even though it's not really that real that you're giving the user by like, oh, it's just a quick mobile. So I think what we've, I think we're coming back around. My feeling is that we were pushed so hard over the last five years to simplify our experiences and present the least amount of information needed. Um, so exactly that, Alex, we've been putting things in modals because we want them to complete two things. Um, and rather than displaying two things on a full page, we're displaying two things in a modal to like push their attention to a smaller thing and say, 
look how easy this is. You can log in with your email and your your password. Like yeah, we also are a good example. Okay. We also Sorry. yeah, but we also do that with like a card. That's why I was asking about the card yes. thing because like I've designed so many freaking login screens where it's like some kind of colored background <laughs> and a little white yeah. card that has the form on it, you know, which is basically a modal just with no content underneath of it, you know? Yeah. Which is actually, I've done a lot of those experience for the stepped things too, where like yeah. you you're containing it in a card because you want it to not be overwhelming and you don't want it to be a full. So in that, well, context, and also you don't a full page, but it's a, full page with a card <laughs> well and also i think the card there is a there is a, an element of simplicity and an element of like containment but and i think part of it for me is like i didn't want it to just feel like it's floating you know yeah, what i mean no. like just a form on a white page it's like what the hell is like you know what i mean like you're not even drawing the user's eye into anything like i think the card approach helps that which is a little bit similar to what a modal does you know what i mean if you think about an alert I mean, to the point that a modal locks out the other functionality on the page, you know, in instances where you need some sort of input, some sort of confirmation or for the user to know something important, then that makes sense. You know, like you're bringing all attention to this one thing. I think that yes. is beneficial. But when that's appropriate to force their attention to the one thing versus use a page with a card, um, is like a kind of a, a fine line. Well, like a good example for me is, is MailChimp and so many other uh, services use this pattern, but like when you're going to delete, say like an email template that you've been spending hours creating and they make you type delete, right? Or you're going to delete yep. a campaign or something like that. You know, yeah. to me, I think that's an important one. And for me, there's no reason to take the user to another page, have them type delete and then bring them back. The other thing too is it's interesting. I think there's a lot interwoven here because it's there's also potentially functional considerations, right? Like even just managing, like if I'm trying to delete the thing I'm sitting on, but I have to take yep. them to another page. Now listen, I, from a programmatic perspective, I've got to like maintain the context of what's being deleted versus just like I'm here, I can delete it and now I'm back, you know? I don't also, know. I think like, there's, there's, a, there's a feedback loop there too because when you delete it's, something, I expect it to go away and I want right. to see it go away. Like ideally with an animation. Yes. Yep. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's a good example of the dialogue, the conversation between you and the system. Right. You are deleting a specific thing. Are you sure you want to do this type delete? And then and you go, you go back to the page you were on and that thing's gone. Mm -hmm. um, where like, creating something new, Alex, I just looked at the Squarespace flow because I was wondering um, what they do is they pop a modal for selecting the type of page. And then once you select the type of page, they just add it to the sidebar sheet. And then you have to go to settings, which is full screen to be able to edit it. The, creating a post, I felt like it was different. And I was thinking about that while we were talking and I was like, maybe there's some rationale in that you know, when they pop a modal, like that is all unsaved until you hit save or publish or whatever. And they're trying to keep you in that context of if you navigate away from this modal, you will lose your stuff versus yes. if you're in a full page, you hit back, you assume like it's still going to be there. 
but that's where like a full page modal makes sense for me. So like when you're doing a multi-step thing and to Jesse's point, it could be a full page modal that has a card um, <laughs> or a full page app that has a card. Uh, but that's where like, if I'm doing say five steps to create something and each one has like three or four form fields. Um, one of my favorite examples of this is Lemonade. Lemonade does the more modern like quiz um, workflow very well um, where it might be 20 questions, but they're very simple questions. They're asking one at a time. They often have very graphical interfaces where you're choosing between icons of things or types of things um, to give you, it's a modern way to get you to fill out a long form without it being cumbersome or overwhelming. I've never um, used Lemonade. Is that like Typeform or something? Lemonade is uh, insurance. Um, they do insurance for like houses and bikes and jewelry and all sorts of things. Um, but they do the best job of taking a really boring form that you have to fill out and making it like a quiz experience that's stepped out and very concentrated. So they're asking you 20 questions, but they're so easy and quick that you don't realize what you're actually doing is filling out a really long form. <laughs> kind of sounds like type form. Yeah, it's kind of like yeah, the type form experience. Form. Yeah. Okay. yeah, modern quizzes basically. Um, but those are what I would call like a full screen um, modal experience um, or a workflow experience where you all often have a progress bar um, in SaaS apps. Usually the header, it changes so that it's like a different color so that it's clear that you're in a dedicated experience. Um, usually the actions are in the header for cancel or save or um, any other actions. Um, but it gives you like a, it's still a modal with tunnel vision, but it's, you don't need the context of what's behind it at all. Like I want to start a new insurance policy. I don't need the context of the page that I was on that was sales for insurance. Just pop up the thing. My whole insurance thing that I'm doing right now is creating a new policy. Yeah. So, so I worked for a company. It was the same one you where we met, Deucing, uh, where the CTO was very against using modals. He did not like them. And it was purely, in my opinion, from a programmatic uh, rationale. But you, mm -hmm. Michael, were mentioning how you have a, a client who loves to use modals and you're trying to figure out, you know, convince them like not to use the modal. So would you have any advice on like how to deal with those two different? Um, I mean, one of the articles that we'll link up here is basically someone taking, trying to take all of the knowledge that's out there and put together like a decision-making of like, when should I use a modal and should it be a, uh, actual modal or should it be a non-modal where everything behind it is interactive? Um, and where, where does that fit on the sliding spectrum of things? They have a pretty good decision tree in here. Um, and there's, there's some good questions here is like, um, uh, what's a good example? 
if you need to grab the user's attention, yes or no, like, yes. Okay. Continue down and, and figure out if that's modal. If the answer is no, that you don't need to grab their attention, maybe a, a page is another, is another way to do that. Um, I wouldn't say that I agree with the entire decision tree that they have, but these are good types of questions to be asking. Like, is this something that somebody would return to or bookmark or share this exact experience? If the answer is yes to that, it should be a dedicated page. It shouldn't be within a modal because then they can't share it or reference it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah some of those are, oh, go ahead, Alex. No, you go ahead. No, I was gonna say some of those are really important because at a, when I was at the video streaming service, we had someone really wanted, we were creating a new browsing experience and, you know, we had your typical homepage to category pages to like, you know, detail pages for each of the videos. And similar to Netflix, like there was this big push to eliminate the detail pages and just have like, oh, I click on, you know, a, a content image and something opens up or pops up or whatever and gives me the information so that I can like browse more quickly. And we actually had to fight a good bit to keep the the detail pages. And we ended up doing both. We had the like expanding shelf, which is also an interesting, I guess that would be like, is that a non-modal? Like, what is that? But then we had to keep the detail pages because we weren't just app-based, we were web-based and we put a lot of time into SEO and trimming off 8,000 pages from our, from our site map was going to destroy everything we had done from an SEO perspective. Um, you know, so there's just like, there's like a, there's a number of considerations to take into account when you're thinking about pages versus not pages. Right. And I think one of the things that's, he says right in the, he, is that a he? Yeah. Ryan, in the beginning of this article is that an extensive review of the available literature made it clear that there are no defined rules for the use of modal overlays. And that, that's exactly it. It's like you go out there and you look at what Google's doing, what Apple's doing, what Amazon's doing, whatever the, you know, Netflix, they're all doing a different flavor. Don't blindly follow what other companies are doing. Like use a decision tree or some sort of flow to figure out <clears throat> what's best for your situation. Cause there isn't really perfectly defined patterns around these things. Mm -hmm. Well, that's such a good one because when we were going through that process and having this debate internally, you know, a number of people pointed to like Hulu, Netflix, these like large competitors who did not have any sort of like detail page type of experience. And we came back and said, yes, but those companies have hundreds of millions of dollars of advertising budget and they don't give two shits about SEO. <laughs> you know, like they're not trying to drive organic traffic. Like we do not have that kind of a budget and we need that organic traffic to survive. And so, you know, like we can't take them as the proxy because the, the context is completely different from a business perspective. And I think that's the larger point I'm personally trying to make here is that like, proper use of these things depends so much on the context that you need to ask a bunch of questions and figure out like what is right for you. Um, I mean, even Netflix, Jesse has that kind of expanded shelf, which is non-modal-ish um, that in a lot of cases will play the same trailer or give you a brief description the same as the detail page, but they keep playing around with it and they do a crap load of testing. 
Um, these days I often see like a short part of the description, but then if you want to read the full description, you end up on the detail page. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do really love like though. I mean, I teaser. Yeah. I mean, and I will say I personally have a love for the like slow reveal <laughs> in UI and that sort of contextual reveal. I do think it's like a very smart and powerful tool that we have at our disposal. And I think modals are a part of that arsenal you know what i mean like i don't necessarily as we've been talking through here i keep thinking like how big of a problem are modals really you know like modal versus page like i think in a lot of contexts i don't know you know from a you from a pure like user experience perspective of accessing information yes i don't know like is there a huge difference i don't think there's a huge difference i think context matters and to alex's earlier point amount of content Um, that gets displayed within these different forms matters as well. Like, is it a single question with a yes, no answer? Is it um, four form fields uh, that are drop downs? Like, is there complicated search to find the thing that you're entering in? Um, Another common uh, enterprise SaaS app workflow is like, I have a table of information. Show me more about one row in that table. And depending on whether you're just displaying the information that's in the table columns um, in a more easy to read format and potentially a modal that pops up over the table, um, or if there's a bunch more information that the table was just a subset of information, then you might warrant a detail page that takes you to all sorts of you know, more actions that you can take on that specific item. Um, but there's a, there's a lot of context and current user um, task oriented. Um, so like a user is coming to a place, there's a list of data in a table, they wanna add a new row of data. Like, is that important for them to stay in the context of the table behind it? Um, like, are they just adding a name and then the rest of the columns get populated or do you need them to enter in 10 different things because there's 10 columns of information you need? Can they create a row in the table with only two columns of information? Do they have to fill out all 10? Like, you know, like those things make me say like in some cases, a modal would be useful. In other cases, a full page app would be more useful. And it's the exact same like experience. It's just the context of what's required and what's not. And, you know, your app. Yeah. And like modal, I'm trying to think of an example of a modal experience that disables the background, but doesn't have a scrim. Because in most cases, when the background is disabled, there's a scrim, at least in my experience. Um, I guess a tooltip could be, there's certain tooltips that when you open them, it you have to click outside of them, but they don't. Um, I feel like that's a bad tooltip. True. <laughs> yeah, I can't think of any examples. I mean, I guess the other thing is, there are plenty of cases where people are using things inappropriately. Um, and yeah. Jesse, to your earlier point about Netflix and Hulu and other people, one, they may not be making the same choices as your business model, but two, like giant companies 
do things wrong all the time. <laughs> That's the other thing is I've always said you cannot look at any other company unless you look at their data also, because like right, that yeah. shit, that shit might not be working, right. you know, like they might be making money, but their UI may not be working. Yeah. There might be something they think it is like you think looks real slick or whatever. And turns out as terrible performance. Yes. And I will not go down the rabbit hole of dribble, but like, that's the problem with dribble. Oh yeah. You don't know if any of that shit would ever work. I was trying to think of like, is there times when modals could be offensive? Like, let's say you're like filling out uh, some sort of thing and you're asking for somebody's feedback and instead of giving them like a lot of space to type, you just give them like this tiny little modal. It's like, we want to hear from you, but this is all you get to type into. Yeah, well, I did a large healthcare client redid their site and they, one of the things I did was a form audit and they literally had, I mean, it was like thousands of forms. It was crazy across like providers and hospital, all this stuff. And that was like, I mean, it was some of the most egregious UX stuff I'd ever seen in my entire life. And it was stuff like that, like long form answers on forms that had like single text entry height fields. And you're just like, like line by line, like no possible way to like scroll back up, like crazy stuff, crazy. Yeah, stuff. You can't even see what you're typing. Oh no, it was. Well, it's insane. got like. Not a lot of people know this, but there's like the text field in HTML by default has those three lines in the bottom right corner and yeah. you can drag to make it open. But well, that's if it's a text. Knows. That's yeah, text not area. a that, text area. Text area. Yeah. Text, yeah. Yeah. text field, like text, like text fields don't have that. And so that's what yeah, it right. was basically like a text field. It was crazy. And yeah, with text areas, you can set the min height or whatever, and you can set whether there's a scroll. So in Jesse's case, you're saying it's like standard height of a field <laughs> and no scroll. Yeah. So yeah. small, so small. Awesome. Yeah, UX audits are fun. Um, it, it's, uh, I mean, to give companies credit, a lot of companies are moving fast. There's multiple teams working on different initiatives. Um, consistency in UX and patterns and flows that cohesively go together can be really hard, especially when things are being developed in, um, in silos or at the same time, um, because then eventually you come back around to, okay, what is the overall experience for our customer? Mm -hmm. And onboarding is a totally different UI and, and modal experience than creating a item or deleting an item or things like that. And, and there's no consistency and no like, I mean, it can be as simple as like button styles. It can be as simple as like where actions appear. Um, do they appear in the bottom right? Do they appear in the top right? Like, where do they go? Yeah. You know, it's funny just thinking about some of like the just egregious UX and design that's out there. Um, it's, like I say funny, I probably didn't mean to say funny. It's maybe a little bit disappointing. I feel like there's this like big drive. This is going to be a total subject changer. So I probably shouldn't even say it, but there's this like drive in the design world to go work for big name places, Google, Facebook, Apple, like whatever, because they do great work. And like, it's a great name on your resume and stuff, but they already do great work. You know what I mean? Like you might get, to, and I know part of it is like designing for something that's going to, that maybe a billion people will use or whatever. But at the same time, there's so many companies out there that just have garbage UX 
And if you would just go work for a company that's not like Google or whatever, like you can have a huge impact on the people who use that product, you know, and like so many great designers, like don't even think about that. And, you know, anyway, so then all these companies have your you inadvertently just gave a pitch for basically what code for America is. Yeah. Um, and it's basically like working with local governments on tools and things because the UX of local, I think Jesse, you mentioned that your dad worked on yeah. like some local My dad stuff. was a clerk was a clerk for the circuit court in the county I grew up in and they did multiple like major systems changes to like land records and marriage records and that sort of stuff. Nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> was it? And those systems are such bad UX. Oh, crazy. Crazy. Yeah. Was it? We, we talked about it in one of the previous episodes, mm-hmm. the large financial institutions. Yeah. 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 No. So, anyway. yeah. And there's, I will just More... echo real quick what Jesse was saying. If you do want to get lots of exposure, there's lots of big companies out there that have terrible UX and you can still get that exposure. Uh-huh. And not only that, but like, you're going to make a, you know, way more of an impact than you would designing like a tiny little feature at Facebook. That's going to maybe get, you know, some QA users will see and then they decide to kill it. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I mean, you're going to make a big impact to somebody's business model too with yeah. UX. Yeah. Um, so just to summarize here, there are no hard and fast rules about using modals and dialogues and non-modals. Um, but We'll link up some things that will get your brain moving and give you some examples of the types of questions that you should be thinking about and asking around. Um, And I think that will help you determine pretty quickly what the right course of action is for your product and your context. Yeah, and you should be able to test like an apples and oranges with, you know, five to eight participants and get a pretty clear answer. Yep. Alex, you want to take us home? Oh, yeah. Take oh, us yeah. All the way home. Where can they find us? <clears throat> well, first of all, thank you for listening. And please subscribe what? to our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe uh, give us a like, review. Subscribe. Yeah. Um, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Overcast, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Breaker. Find links and episode notes on our website, SprintUXPodcast.com, or tweet us your thoughts at SprintUXPodcast. For story suggestions, you can also email us at contact at SprintUXPodcast.com. I'm Alex Hoffman. You can find me on Twitter at Hoffmander. And Jesse, where can they find you? I'm Jesse Weaver. You can find me as at Harry Lafonte on the tweets. And I am Michael Dusing. You can find me at M Dusing on the Twitters. And that's the show, folks. That's awesome. Thanks, guys. Bye bye, folks. Good luck with your models.